Hello, my friends. It's a beautiful day in America. Happy July 4th. Hope you are planning ahead for a beautiful day celebrating with your friends or family or however special way that you celebrate. We've got some plans. Of course, it's my mother's birthday as well. So happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, Mama Govea. We're going to celebrate with her. My brother, Joey, I learned this morning, brought her coffee in bed. And so her day is off to a good start. I hope yours is as well. And today I was thinking about what to talk about on our morning walk and talk. And I was looking around on the interwebs, watching what other people were posting for this beautiful holiday that we have. And the word that, of course, we talk a lot about today is freedom. And the White House posts their message, and the Hollywood types post their message, and the politicians post theirs. And I asked myself if people really spend much time thinking about that word or what it means, because it gets thrown around very regularly. And this morning I saw a post from Anna Navarro, and Anna Navarro was in the news recently. I think she's a CNN person or one of these online commentators. And she was, a while ago, talking about abortion, and she was very upset about Roe versus Wade being overturned, and part of her argument was that abortion was necessary because sometimes you have people that are born with disabilities, people born with Down syndrome, people who have mental or learning or physical disabilities that make it little more difficult to care for them or things like that and she was saying that she has somebody with downs in her life as of course many of you know I do she was saying you don't realize how hard it is and you know basically implying that abortion was a good remedy to remove those people from your life because they are too much work or they're too burdensome or something to that effect and it was a very offensive statement. A lot of people were very sort of grossed out by that, myself included. And so that made a lot of the waves. We're going to turn around. There's a leaf blower back there. So Anna Navarro was very aggressive with her anti-Roe versus Wade position, very upset that it got overturned. And she was arguing that it should still be allowed because... Without abortion, we are left with less than uh, ideal people or people that are too difficult for her to care with or something. I don't know what her argument was. Joey's an absolute blessing in our lives, and I think it was a pretty shocking statement from her. But she was out again today on Twitter saying that this entire day is hard to celebrate because for her, freedom has been seized away. And how can you celebrate freedom on the 4th of July when the right to abortion, that constitutional protection, as she says, was stripped away from us? So it's sort of a somber day. It's a day of mourning rather than a day of celebration. And she said that it was difficult to celebrate that freedom, right? What does freedom mean? So I was thinking a lot about freedom. And the different distinctions between government sort of mandated rights or privileges 
or benefits that I think people interpret as freedom. You know, if you get a certain allocation of something, whether it's healthcare or property or universal basic income, or in this case, unfettered access to abortion or whatever, you know, those are sort of the government taking the pie of freedom, which is limited and finite, and they're divvying it up to people in a way that one political party deems to be fair and reasonable and justifiable. And so they say that as a result of what the Supreme Court has done recently, that their piece of that freedom pie is being taken away. You know, there's only so much freedom and there's only so many constitutional rights or whatever. And then now that is being extracted from them because the government, according to this worldview, has an affirmative duty to go out there and encourage everybody to have, I guess, an equal piece of the pie. Whereas there's a different sort of conception of freedom where it's, you know, the government just kind of stays out of your way. You know, it's this idea of enumerated powers that we have given the government very limited responsibilities to attend to because if we don't limit them, what ends up happening in the name of progress is a watering down or an elimination of those liberties or of those freedoms. And so it's sort of a, it's an entirely different worldview. And I hear a lot of people, you know, not recognizing that the, the consequences of this, of the Supreme court of Roe of Dobbs, you know, it's, it's, a return to that base layer that it, that actually you know, is giving more people more freedom to govern themselves in a way that's in alignment with their values, right? It's taking this issue away from nine judges who created a legislative framework out of thin air and they're resetting the baseline. They're saying this is the issue this is the appropriate layer on which it should be addressed. And they're turn, returning it back to the states. Now, for many people, right, that's an erosion because their piece of the pie feels like it's getting smaller. And that leads to consequences in the political discussions that we have. And so as we hear more and more about this, you know, I, I, I always like to think about what's the next question that you would ask to people, like to the politicians who are out here with their freedom statements. You know, explain that. What are you talking about? Your freedom is being stripped away. And a lot of people on the right, you know, I think they should be able to explain this also. What does that mean? What is the follow-up question? Now, there was actually an incident on this. I think Candace Owens was on the Joe Rogan show some time ago. And he sort of asked her that question and she kind of flubbed it, you know? And I think that it can be hard to articulate, especially on the fly. But what we've seen over the last several years has been extremely, extremely dynamic in terms of the changes that we've seen and the impacts on freedom. But some people, right, we saw it, I think most explicitly with COVID, some people would say, that COVID was an erosion of freedoms because they locked us in our homes and they mandated jabs and they imposed passports and 
they printed money that devalued our currency and they wrecked the supply chain. And so, you know, incidentally, I would say that was a pretty diminishment, significant diminishment of freedom. But other people, their conception would be, well, the government has an obligation to, to, to protect the base layer of freedom with those impositions. Otherwise, I can't be free while I'm existing in society. So as these debates continue on, we're going, you know, we're, we're going to see, I think, a big difference between people and this big shift that's taking place throughout the United States is people just move and they realign with the people that share their values. We're seeing that already. We've talked about the great sort, the great bifurcation of society, people moving around and just connecting with new people, new geographic regions, new communities where they feel more valued and welcomed. There's an ad and we're seeing a lot of headlines about this from the, the typical media people. But Gavin Newsom, we've talked about previously from California, he is running ads in Florida. And those ads are targeting sort of liberal Floridians, people who he says should come back to California. And it's actually a pretty effective ad because if you think about the target market, he's not talking to sort of middle of the roaders, as far as I can tell. He's talking to liberals. In the ad, it's about 30 seconds. It's a good ad, well done. I think it's nicely scripted. He talks about the downs of Florida, according to his mindset. He's talking about the ups of California, according to his mindset. And he's giving people a call to action. It's pretty strong, polished, uses a lot of the colorful language about equality and rights and destruction of freedoms and, and all of those things that if you're a lefty, they're those beautiful buzzwords that you like to hear. And then he says, basically, come to California. And I think everybody is like, yeah, sounds great. Perfect. All of the Republicans are leaving California. And many liberals, too. So it's like this big filter is being applied in a way that I think the liberals in California got to be happy about, right? They're like, get rid of all these conservatives. All of the conservatives are going to be happy in their new home in Florida. Then we have Gavin now going to Florida and pulling their liberals back to California. So it's like the states are picking teams. this bell, shall we? It's pretty quiet down here today. This is down right near downtown Phoenix. And there's a church here. I think it's an Episcopal church. That was the bell that we just heard. So we'll walk down Roosevelt. Might get little cars. But this great sword is continuing on. And 
you know, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. People want to live in places where they can get access to abortions or they can, you know, get those social services. If they want, you know, universal basic income or whatever, you know, the states can provide those. No problem. People can resort. They can move to different locations, connect with their tribes. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And that looks looking like it's already happening. The Democrats will concentrate in one state. The Republicans will concentrate in another. I mean, they're already doing that, but to a greater degree. And we'll see whether or not there is uh, outcomes that vary based upon the policies that are put in by these operations. I mean, I think you can take a look at Florida and take a look at California. And one seems like it's functional. The other seems like it's a declining country, declining state. And we'll see what happens. I know they have a budget surplus and they're talking about spending a lot of that money, sending it all over the place to different people who need it inflation credits and so on and so forth. And so that should be very interesting. But Gavin Newsom, his strategy is different. He's sort of going on a full attack against the Republicans, going into Florida, also going into True Social and many of these websites to, I think, go on the offensive much more than the other Democrats. I think he sees the writing on the wall. I know he's got an election coming up in 2022. These are the kinds of guys that I think are scary, and gals, right, if there are any, that are scary for the Republican chances at winning in 2024 if they go with Trump. Because you might get somebody who's shiny and new, at least new to America, who gets out there and just talks about literally nothing and uh, wins because it's just more of a polished approach. And that's what a lot of people want to see these days. And we basically saw that with Barack Obama. Hope and change. Do you remember that? That's all we heard. And I was in... Gosh, when was that? I was taking the LSAT right before I was about to go to bar, uh, to law school. I'm going, what is happening right now? This guy's not saying anything. And everybody loved it. So, you know, people can, I think, buy into some of that stuff. And Newsom, for all his faults and all of his, uh, you know, French laundry bullshit, we can see how people, right, they can spin a good yarn and they can convince a bunch of people to vote for him. Let's get a little 4th of July action here. God bless America. Everybody's walking around getting some air in before it gets a little warmer today. So Newsom will continue that. I also saw out some interesting headlines and, and stories from the J6 committee. Newsom is, of course, not involved in any of that. But there's this, it feels like the, the foundations are being laid for you know, sort of a big, strong anti-Trump assault. I think Newsom and, and many people are a part of this. Like big alternatives to him sort of being laid out. But Kinzinger and Cheney, right, all of these people I talked about yesterday, they were out hitting the airwaves. And Kinzinger is really being aggressive with it still, in a way that's even more so than usual. He's on Twitter, 
and he's defending Cassidy Hutchinson, calling her courageous and saying uh, nobody else is out there testifying the way that she has, blaming people, saying that if you fault her for you know, any of these small errors, that's on you. You know, this committee is totally legal and totally valid. And I'm really honed in on these arguments because I'm trying to understand how they justify it. And he posted a tweet thread this morning where he was talking about why it is in fact a valid operation, why this all is okay. He said the Republicans had their chance to put people on the committee, they didn't, and they pulled their people off. But then Kinzinger and Cheney volunteered to go on there. So now they're on there and that's what makes it valid. And he said, and then the Republicans just cried like little, like little weenies and they took their ball and they wanted to go home and blah, 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 right? So he's now saying Cassidy's amazing and the committee is completely legitimate. And we're seeing this argument now go to even Liz Cheney and other people on the committee. I mean, they're all sort of fighting back against almost even their own their own framework that they've set up for themselves. So here's an example. So Kinzinger is out there now saying that he can't believe that Liz Cheney is in trouble politically, saying that her primary is coming up and she's like down in the dumps and she might lose. And so he's sort of undermining the electoral process in Wyoming, right? He's saying, you know, I can't believe that she's being allowed to be smeared this way. You know, here she is. He was on ABC, I think, saying here she is, an honest, credible person who's working really hard. And she's still down in the polls. Why? Because of the smears. Why? Because of the response from the Republicans. And this echoes the same thing we talked about yesterday, where Schiff was saying that Trump's lawyers are putting pressure on the witnesses that are being called before the J6 committee. So do we see what's happening now? Right there. They're not getting the results that they want out of this committee. Nobody cares about it. Right? All of the polls show even MSNBC and Chuck Todd and ABC or NBC. They're all out there now saying, man, this is just not really working all that well. And so they've got to do something about it. Yesterday, we talked about Schiff. Schiff was the guy who was out yesterday aggressively talking about the committee seeing their witnesses face public pressure from Trump. We saw that they were saying they were essentially sharing lawyers. Now Kinzinger is saying that they are sort of mispressuring the political process via Liz Cheney. We saw previously that they were saying Tony Ornato and the Secret Service, Raskin and Cheney, were saying that both of these guys were maybe less than honest because they work for Donald Trump. And, you know, the question of course is why are you presenting all of this evidence if it's so bad? If none of it is honest and accurate, then why did you put it in your little teleprompter there and read it to the American people if it was not going to be accurate and not going to be legitimate? Well, I think part of the problem is they didn't think that a lot of this was going to stick. Uh, or, or they thought it was going to stick, but maybe not under the, the regular scrutiny that it has come under. 
Like, I can't understand how they put Cassidy up there to talk about that lunge statement if they didn't have that backed up by Tony Ornato. And I mean, they really didn't because Tony is now the subject of their wrath. They're saying that he is essentially a liar, right? He's got a history of being bought and paid for by Donald Trump or, or he was sort of Trump's like wingman. He was inserted into the position in order to, in order to gain an upper hand with the secret service. He was kind of like, you know, a mole inserted in there. Then why did you present hearsay upon hearsay? Popo, say hi to the Popo coming in. Popo. Hey. Why did you put his statement on through Cassidy Hutchinson in front of the American people? Didn't feel like that was all that smart if it wasn't legitimate. And so, my friends, those are the headlines on the day. The Biden people came out and they're talking about freedom as an idea. They posted it on Twitter this morning. Freedom is an idea and America is an idea. And don't think about gas prices and don't think about inflation because America is an idea and we'll just endure and so on. And I think there's truth to that. You know, I really do think that America is way more, way more than the federal government way more than our politicians, way more than the stupid speeches they give and the stupid bills they pass and the things they mandate from us. So I agree with the Biden people on that point, but I, I'm not sure that they understand really what the concept of freedom is. And I think freedom means for most people to be left alone and for society and community to come together to create progress. Whereas their conception is the government's supposed to do that. And my understanding from my study of history and from a look at what the heck's going on around us in our lives these days, is that the government is not very good at attempting to solve those problems for us. So I like to think about it that way. You know, the government is almost like cancer on the body of America. We can create parallel systems in a way where we can live within the traditions of America, embody those principles. Without the federal government putting their big, fat, ugly thumb on us all the time, I think that's a good thing, right? And I think that we are seeing that. You're going to even see the states start to push back. We talked about this with Missouri and some of the other states just telling the feds to basically get bent. You know, we're not going to we're not going to play those games with you. And if the federal government continues to sort of diminish in its legitimacy, if both sides continue to say, well, elections illegitimate, Supreme Court illegitimate, congressional committees illegitimate, president illegitimate, the enforceability mechanism is correlated with that legitimacy, right? The feds, it's hard to run a country from 3000 miles away if everybody thinks you're illegitimate <laughs> at the state level. So, right, legitimacy is tied to enforceability. And if there's no, if there's no legitimacy, they're going to have a difficult time with enforceability. 
which is not a bad thing. So, you know, I think just as a natural consequence of their failures, we're all going to be more free and America's going to be a better place because of it. Doesn't mean that we can let up. Doesn't mean that we can stop having these conversations and things will just naturally get better. But I do think that the more the people who are doing the oppression, who are doing the extortion of our liberties, the more that their hubris continues to keep them flying closer to the sun, the harder they're going to fall. I think we're basically seeing it right now. Doesn't mean it's not going to be scary. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have uh, difficulties and troubling times ahead. But, you know, that's what America is really all about. It's about weathering these storms. It's about saying we're going to do it in spite of whatever the current challenge is. And I got to tell you, I am so happy to be a part of this country. I love this country so much. I think about it a lot. And that's why I get so mad and fired up on the show when I'm watching people dump all over what brought this country to where it is in terms of protecting you know, the liberties that we deem to be natural and God-given. When they start limiting our ability to speech and limiting our ability to, to speak and to associate and to use our private property and to petition our government for a redress of grievances and all of these things, I'm very upset about it. Because I know what those things have afforded me. I can feel it. I can see it. I can see the situation that I was born into with my single mother and three boys and where our lives have come to now. And I know that a lot of that would not be possible if it were not for many of these liberties. Many other countries would, would not allow this type of, I think, progress, and even more specifically to me specifically, right? Starting a YouTube channel and speaking out. There are other parts in the world where you cannot do this stuff. You can't just start a business. You can't just open up a law firm. You can't just decide we're just going to start helping people. You know, we're, That's a lot more of a difficult task. So I'm very grateful for this country. And I love... I love what it stands for and I love the people here and I have been fortunate enough to travel around different parts of the world and I know how special this place is. That's why I care so dang much about it and I know you do too. So we'll continue to have these conversations with my, with each other, my friends. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona. It's America's birthday. It's my mother's birthday. It's a great day to celebrate, to relax a little bit, to spend some time with some friends and family, to eat some delicious barbecue, have an adult beverage or two, and reflect on freedom and reflect on what it means to be an American and how we can continue to persevere in light of these challenging times that our government has dumped upon us. But we'll get through it. We always do. And I appreciate your support here. I'm so grateful that we have this forum on which we can connect and I hope that you're having a, an amazing day connecting with people here offline wherever you do that 
Have a great day, my friends. Happy July 4th.